Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. We'll get to Cow Toomey now, in fact, and he can save the day because he's the man that broke the story yesterday on this mega blockbuster trade that we thought had been halted but then was rekindled yesterday. Cal, have I got you there from afl.com.au? Good morning. Hey, Kane. Big deal yesterday, and it was good to see it all go through. Oh, it was amazing. So take us through this because we thought it was on, then we thought it was off on the back of some AFL rulings. What was the catalyst for the AFL allowing this deal to actually go through? Well, in the end, Port Adelaide obviously uh, originally wanted to move out its future first-round pick and its future second-round pick. Now, the AFL said, no, you can't do that. So they went back to the drawing board, and essentially what needed to happen was for Port Adelaide to move out those first and second-round picks, they needed to get a second-round pick in. And that meant that Greater Western Sydney came to the party and threw in their future second-round pick for next year, which they uh, gained via... Um, the Bobby Hill trade. So they mm. threw that one in. It's tied to Collingwood. That one's now with Port Adelaide. And essentially, that was the catalyst to, to make sure that everyone had enough pieces for this to be approved by the AFL. And, and every trade is approved by the AFL, Kane, as we know. But this one, of course, um, meant for a little bit more work just to make sure that every detail was in place. But we always say that trades don't live in isolation. And the Bobby Hill trade essentially has made sure that this mega deal probably the biggest trade we've ever seen in footy history um, has been able to go through. And, and I think when you look at it and break it down, uh, each club got out its objectives off the trade. So I think that's where you look at a big deal. And that's very hard to happen um, to satisfy so many parties when so much is at stake and, and emotions are involved and, and young players are involved and, and these type of things. But I feel like every club was able to what wanted to do out of the deal. So talk to me about North Melbourne's objectives because they're the one I guess we're we're focusing on because two first round draft two first picks in the draft number one picks gone Horn Francis eleven months in plus this year's pick one they get two three and a future first round pick in so they're the club that I think is the most interesting out of this what were their objectives and the prospect that they may not get the key forward that the Giants want Cadman in the draft can you give us the perspective of North. Yeah, well, I think that um, they made the best out of a situation that um, was was unfolding in front of them for, for Jason Horn Francis. For, for moving out a number one pick a year on into his career, I think nearly the best result you can get is to get pick two the next year. So they were able to, to do that through that swap of selections with West Coast that came into this mega deal. And, of course, the future first-round pick next year, as well as move into to pick number three. Now, clearly, they have their eyes on two of the best talents, um, in the top three, and essentially they just wanted to add to their, their midfield and, and forward line without searching for the key forward, which um, Greater Western Sydney have their eye on in Aaron Cadman. So um, everyone views the draft differently, and that's always been the case. That's always going to be the case. 
and, and clearly they viewed um, a vote of two and three as better than just holding the one. Now, if you break it down as well, Horn Francis essentially got pick two and one of the picks in the 40s, and then pick one um, got them, you know, three and a future first rounder. So, you know, even up, it, it ended up quite solid for them out of a, a wreckage in terms of uh, Jason Horn Francis wanting to leave after a year. So I, I think they've done the best out of a situation for them that was obviously in front of them. Clearly, this is not how they would have planned things to go at the end of last year, but I like the fact that they've at least put the, got on the front foot in this big deal and, and, and made some bold calls. The next one could be, Kane, though, that pick three would be mm. open for offers as well. So I think pick two will stay with North Melbourne, definitely, but I feel like pick three is still open for offers and clubs could come for that if they can split it again and, and generate another top pick because... Um, They'd be open to that at the right deal, keeping another foot at the front of the draft, of course. Morning, Kel. Uh, would uh, G- GWS or the sorry North had asked for a guarantee from GWS that you you are going to take Cadman, and there's no change of heart whatsoever? Because would they not have done it, for example, if say GWS wanted Sheasel or a Wardlaw or a Sardis, those types? Just that okay, if you want Cadman, we're not going to take him. So, yeah, would they get that in writing, for example, that, okay, you are going to stick with Cadman, there's no change of heart over the next month? No, they wouldn't get it in writing, Lloyd. But there might be an inference there. But, look, I think it's pretty clear as well from the Giants' point of view that they want to keep forward and they um, have identified Aaron Cadman as a big country prospect who um, is very happy to move. And and there are players within the top ten of the draft that um, I feel like have probably got a flight risk on them. And um, I don't think that Aaron Cadman strikes anyone as being one of those. So uh, I think that's part of the appeal for the Giants to move after and, and clearly fill a need. They haven't used their early picks in recent years on key forwards. It's very hard to find a key forward that fits the bill at the top end of the draft and the one they're happy with and one that's happy to move. So I think that's part of um, clearly the Giants' plan. And for North Melbourne, should they hold pick two and three and keep them in the draft in, in six weeks' time or so, um, if they can get two of Sheasel and Wardlaw or Sardis, that ends up with a pretty good combination. I, I think there's a very strong chance that Sheasel is one of those selections. And then they might have to work out what the, the midfield mix is. Do they prefer Wardlaw, who's more of a Horn Francis type, given his, his explosiveness and, and power and ability to go forward and jump and mark and those type of things, versus Sardis, who's an inside-outside midfielder who... You know, average 33 touches at NAB League level this year and, and is a, a ball magnet. So um, they've got their options now. So the West Coast Eagles, they now have pick 8 and 12, uh, let go of pick 2. So do you view that they are looking at two Western Australians around that selection or they just wanted two picks instead of one? You can't guarantee it, but they are a chance to have Ruben Jimby available at pick 8. I think there's a chance he's gone before that as well. But I think the appeal for... West Coast as well has been to, to just maximise their early talent. And this gives them four picks inside 26. Um, this year gives them a really strong hand for the draft next year. And Junior Rioli was a part of that, clearly, but he was out of contract. So the amount of control you have over those sort of um, trade decisions is relatively limited when he's out of contract and there's always the threat of the preseason draft if things go awry. So... Uh, I like it from West Coast's point of view. They were able to turn two into eight and 12, and they should pick up two really strong players there. We talk about the West Australians, who could be around that mark, is one of them. 
Um, Ruben Jimby, who was a star at the NAB AFL Draft Combine over the weekend, is Elijah Hewitt, one of them. He could still be available, maybe even at their third pick. Jed, Jed Buslinger, um, who's a key defender, who hasn't played much since mid-season, but certainly um, is in that group. But the other part about West Coast is they haven't been afraid to draft Victorians as well. They, they moved up the order, or moved back down the order last year, knowing that they'd have a shot at Campbell Chesser, who's a Victorian, and they've done it previously over the years as well. We know Liam Duggan um, way back in 2014 when there was other options available to them as well. So I don't think they're dead set on um, uh, a West Australian just because of the, the postcode, but uh, certainly there'll be a couple in that mix. So Port now stump up uh, you know, a six-year contract, you'd think big money for Jason Horn francis H- How would you compare him, say, to Wardlaw and Sardis and Sheasel in, in comparison? As, as footballers, you know, only 12 months different in age? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I mean, he's probably got more runs on the board given he, he played a full season of senior level last year for South Adelaide. And even before that, as a 16-year-old, had, had a taste of that as well. And then 17 AFL games. So there's a lot that we've seen of Jason Horn francis and, and it's very, very exciting. The local factor clearly is also... Um, important given Port Adelaide's in this mix and it's very hard to get players to, to aren't from South Australia to go back to, to Adelaide so they've, they've seized an opportunity there and, and gone and got it done. Um, Wardlaw is a similar type of player I'd say as I mentioned before um, and, and Sardis is a little bit different but um, I feel like yeah if, if you're Port Adelaide um, that it makes sense to, to move up the board and try and do that. The other reality of that as well Lloydy is that um, if you're Port Adelaide, you weren't going to get a look at Wardlaw or Sardis um, at the draft, that pick-up. Um, it's a little bit, but I think that um, Horn Francis, in terms of that Port Adelaide midfielder, I know Kane's very excited about it as well. With Jason Horn Francis and Zach Butters and Connor Rosie, Port Adelaide have, have constructed potentially the best young midfield in the game. And yeah, I, I, I think they deserve great kudos, Port Adelaide, for, for going and getting all this stuff done and and sacrificing a lot of selections to do it, but also bringing in these guys and and making an impact for straight away under Ken Hinckley. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a pretty exciting day for Port Adelaide. Chris Davies will join us a little bit later on in the program. Cal, what's the latest with Ollie Henry? Still a standoff there, Kane. Um, Collingwood won't accept pick 25. We'll put that forward. That's been rejected. Um, put a counter offer there to move up from pick 16 to 7 as part of a, a pick swap there in Henry. Um, once they get to pick seven, of course, from the Jack Bowes deal. Um, and the Cats aren't going to do that. So I'm really fascinated to see. I know there's mm. a lot of talk about the, the Dunkley deadlock, but I, I think the Ollie Henry one as well is, is really, really interesting because um, who puts the flag in the ground on this one? Because Geelong don't have a lot more that they can offer, really. The other option for them is to, to pick up pick 33 in a space for Asava Radigalia and then package them together. But I'm still not sure that it's suffice for, for Collingwood. They want a first-round pick if they're to let him go. So... Uh, no movement on that one. And now that uh, Luke Jackson is a Fremantle docker, will that free up Rory Lobb's move to the Bulldogs, do you think, perhaps today? I think the Western Bulldogs and Fremantle are set to discuss Rory Lobb today. So that will be interesting to see if there's any ground made on that one. Clearly the Bulldogs um, are keen to get him in. Um, what would make that happen? Previously, they've been prepared to offer a second-round pick, that number 29, or a future I think would, would want more if they're to let him go, given he's got a contract for next year and their leading goal kicker this year. So, look, I, I do feel like the Jackson move 
could um, spawn a couple of other trades or, or decisions for, for Fremantle to make, given there's um, obviously Rory Lobb who wants to get to the Bulldogs. And, and as we reported three weeks ago, um, Lloyd Meek wants to get to, to Hawthorne as well. He's got a contract too. So both of those players uh, are wanting to make moves. But Fremantle... But I, I, I think that um, that also is going to be tied into the Josh Dunkley um, trade as well. If if the Bulldogs end up with pick 21 and a future first-round pick, would they be prepared to offer 21 for, for, for Lobb? And then on the other flip side of that, would the Dockers be happy to accept that? So, yeah, I think a lot to play out on that today. Mm, mate, you've had a big trade period. We'll let you go. I know you're busy and we'll hear from you with the trade exchange a little bit later on this afternoon. Thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Floydy. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.